because I think people are interested in the evolution of the process. How do you get started? How do you get your thing made? How do you go from I have an idea to uh, I have a finished movie, whether it's a short or a feature or something in between, um, web series, all of these things uh, you know, kind of start with the same germ, which is the idea, and hopefully end up in the same place, which is a finished product that people can see and appreciate. So I just I wanted to uh, you know start off by my sort of entry into this is, is a little different. I'm not a filmmaker per se. I'm not a director. I'm not a producer. I'm just a writer. I'm the guy who's generally used to being chained to a laptop in a dungeon somewhere. And um, and so it's really interesting for me to see something that I did you know in my room surrounded by my stuffed animals or whatever. <laughs> uh, with, you know, listening to this music and writing out this scene in my head and then seeing how it actually plays out. You know, um, I did a movie, I wrote a script for a movie called From Dust Till Dawn, The Hangman's Daughter, which was a prequel to uh, a movie that, that my cousin Robert Rodriguez had made from Quentin Tarantino's script with George Clooney and Juliette Lewis. And that was like, it was the first experience I'd had where I'd written something and I got to see how it was in the final product, but it was definitely the first time I had written something and then got to see the whole script in the final product. You know, I worked on, on projects with Robert before and I had a certain scene that I'd written that ended up in his movies, but not like the whole thing. And so seeing that was a big um, sort of validation and, and, uh, and just kind of blew me out of the water. But that was a movie that, you know, was written here. I was working for the McCallum Monitor at the time, and uh, I would sneak off, you know, uh, during the day to a uh, coffee shop called the High Dive uh, to go and write this script, and uh, and then to see the movie was shot in South Africa. So I wasn't actually there when they were shooting it. So when but I got to see that, that process and how it came together uh, really quickly, and that's just one angle. I think the other. Uh, People on the panel have a lot of different experience because they're all filmmakers and they're, they're writing and producing and directing their own projects. So maybe we can go into that and talk about how that works for you guys. Uh, hey, what's up, everybody? Um, well, the process that uh, I take, or my little crew, because we're little, we're not anybody special. Um, takes is uh, basically uh, when we write a script, there's always a specific, um, I know this may sound weird, and a lot of people are like, what? But we always have a specific color in our head. And that color, um, we always try to convey it through the film. Like I know that uh, different films have different colors, like each Lord of the Rings film has a completely, totally different color to it, yet they're all, you know, they kind of have the same feeling towards them. But um, I think color, uh, when, when I'm reading a script or when I'm writing a script, uh, it plays a big part especially when, um, you know, like it's like a, like a thriller, like, a, like an action movie or something, you know, action, like, to me, whenever I see action or think of it, you know, I always think like Transformers, you know, a lot of deep colors and things like that, and, uh, and we always kind of try to figure out, okay, what's the feel for this film, you know, when reading the script or when writing the script, and, um, and also what we tend to do is when we're looking at the script, we try to make it as natural as possible, um, we hate reading lines that don't sound like we would legitimately say them. So what we usually do is we'll pop open the laptop, you know, and we'll uh, open up the GarageBand, and we'll record ourselves actually going through the dialogue as natural as possible. Of course, here and there we'll add lines and things like that, but in the end we'll listen back to it and say, oh, okay, that didn't sound cool. Oh, that sounded super, like, natural. You know that? Well, not super natural, but... <laughs> but, but that sounded really real. You know, that's something I would legitimately say. So um, we go back with that, you know, we try to fit it into um, the, um, the act when we're actually filming, you know, every once in a while we'll throw in a line here and there. Um, I know that with, uh, we just did, we just finished the 36 hour film race and, um, and I don't know why we went with that script, but that was cool. Um, but uh, what we did was we kind of, you know, thought of how we would react in a situation like, you know, like they were in, like they were in a car and they were talking, they're like, you know, hey, what, we're gonna, we're trying to do something with our lives. And it starts off with them, you know, uh, back and forth banter being stupid. And they're talking about movies and how sequels, you know, are taking over the world. 
and uh, there's no originality left. And he's like, you know, yeah, uh, there's Transformers 3, Super 8. I haven't even seen the first seven. And that, that's literally something my friend Tommy would say. He's, he's, he's crazy. But, uh, but we try, you know, like, uh, we, we think of colors, we think of feelings, you know, uh, what, what's the feeling that we're putting into this when we're actually, you know, filming and when we're writing and things like that. And, um, and also, does it sound real? Will it, you know, will the message be completely conveyed throughout the entire film on a very, you know, what, what's the word, like a, uh, a basis where you can relate to, you know, it's like, oh, okay, that's real, that, that makes sense, that makes perfect sense to me. So we always kind of try to do that with our films, but um, I'm sure everybody else has different processes than me, and I'm curious of. Hi guys, uh, Luis Roberto here. Um, thank you very much to Henry for the theater. I'm from a county, uh, so this is really special for me uh, to be back here. And, um, you know, I, I come at it as, as an actor. I, I moved to LA 13 years ago as an actor. And uh, I, I got a chance to work on some really great sets with some really great people, and I learned and I watched. And, uh, I really came out of kind of a frustration of, of only playing gangbangers and crackheads and drug dealers that I started writing uh, because I just literally wanted to play something different. And you know, and I was making a decent living as an actor, that's you know, that's a blessing and everything, but at some point as an artist you want more. You know, and it's only natural. So uh, thanks to the frustration and, and all these doors that just were not opening, I'm like, well, screw this, man. Let's 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 create our own thing. Uh, I wrote a little short film called Francisco. Uh, we, my crew, and, and I, I mean, out of all of my crew, I think I was the one that least knew about filming, and so I was literally learning on the fly. Uh, but what it caused me to do is that. It, caused me to think, to really think of filmmaking as a, as a team effort, as a collaborative process. And so, uh, with a Tensista, it was a very small movie, and as a matter of fact, it played here at CSO in 2008, uh, and that was really cool. Uh, the process that I had, it was, it was basically two actors in the entire film. And what I found really helpful was to really work the script before we shot it to death, you know? I would meet with my actors, and, I, and she had a tremendous amount of input in the script because I learned a lot about men don't always know how to write women. And, you know, and that's, that's, that's a big, for me and, and for my, my, my crew, I think that's one of the things that we, we, we really want to focus on is writing real women in our movies. And uh, I mean, my first two films are, are centered around women. And uh, it was just enlightening to sit there with her and be reading the script, and she's like, that, "That's not real. No woman would ever say that." And here's why, you know. And so she literally rewrote huge things for me. But you know, it was it was a great learning experience for me because I, I got to kind of see, okay, yeah, we really do think different because we want different things, you know. So you know, when I see a, a woman character that's clearly been written by a man, I mean, it's, you know, it just falls flat all the way there. So, uh, fast forward, we have uh, uh, created a, a school, uh, which is actually, it's called Center for the Cinematic Arts. Uh, it's based in Los Angeles. It's half education center and it's a half production company. And we've uh, been running a class uh, called Actors Gym for the past three years. And what it is, is uh, essentially putting actors through the entire onset experience week after week. For example, tomorrow we're doing Devil's Advocate. So my actors will get their sites tonight They'll memorize them. They'll uh, make all their choices as if they were going on a real job. Uh, and then tomorrow at 7 o'clock, we're, we're going to show up and we'll review the scenes from last week, which we shot. Which way did we shoot last week? What was it? Um, Um, 
It's a really great learning experience for the actors because they get to focus on things like emotional continuity, physical continuity, hitting marks, camera eye, all the technical things that you don't really learn in an acting class because you invariably end up learning on set by, make, by making mistakes. And so uh, our idea is why make the mistakes? Why not just learn the craft? In other words, apply your, your art, which is acting, but apply it to the technical demands of the medium, which is filming. You know, and, and that's that's where the crux of, of uh, actors just came from because as an actor, I've, I've taken so many classes, but they're all on the stage. They're all on the stage, they're all, they all come from theater training. Nothing to do with film. And so that's that's where the emphasis came from. Uh, and that was, this, the CFCA is, uh, is, is growing. We have uh, two classes going, we're about to add a third. We're looking to expanding the CFCA uh, into Mexico City. Uh, we're also looking into expanding the CFCA here into the Valley. And um, I'm there with my script. And I broke, like, you know, 
the, the first rules, don't disturb, you know, the, the crews or whatever, the talent, whatever. So uh, I took my script and I started like talk, talking to them. I'm I showing Danny Trejo, oh, Mr. Trejo, look at my script, look at this, you know. And you know, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm proud of you, Latinos, you're doing your thing, you know, keep doing it, but I can't accept unsolicited material. You know, so I go to Steve Buscemi, he's, you know, it's 7 o'clock in the morning, he's eating his breakfast, and I said, Steve Buscemi, you know, uh, I've got this script, and I think he'd be great for it, you know? So it's like, he said, ah, yeah, that's great, but I can't accept unsolicited material. i got stacks of scripts this high in my office, and I just don't have the time. And he goes to me, and I'll never forget it, he says to me, um, I want people to notice, you know, what you're doing. Take the script. Find the money, shoot it yourself, and get it out there at film festivals, and people will recognize your work. So that in hand, that's when I started. You know, uh, luckily I didn't get kicked off the set. Uh, <laughs> a, a day later, as I, you see the back of my head in the movie, a day later, uh, Steve comes up to me and he says, "One of the day players, um, you know, dropped out. Would you like to be in the movie? You know, as his character Marquez?" And I'm like. Fuck yeah, I'll do it. You know, I'll do it. I'll, yeah, whatever you need me to do. You know? So, you know, I, I, that was my first experience. So, if you see Animal, there's a movie called Animal Factory out there. I'm the one at the end of the movie helping the photo escape from the prison. You know, so anyway, so I started. You know, I took Steve's advice, started you know honing my craft, writing and stuff like that, and doing little short films. You know, to get the experience. I enrolled at Temple University just so I can get a hold of their equipment room. Started, you know, shooting my stuff, you know, and uh, started getting recognized, getting awards here and there. I had a little drama pieces film one, um, uh, uh, best dramatic short film at the New York Film Festival. So with that, I had got a manager, I got a bunch of meetings, and um, a bunch of promises, and that's where it kind of like started, you know, um, lights out. Um, but that's. Yeah. It's my, this, no, this, this is good. This is the horror part of my story. <laughs> so this is where I started getting all like fucked up in the head because they, they started promising me things. I started getting meetings, you know, and and, and you know uh, I can't name any of the uh, you know studios, but they're a relatively big company. Um, they saw my script. I had a meeting. They loved it, you know, and we want to work with you. And I started getting all these promises, investors, and everything like that. So um, about a week later, nobody was returning my calls. Nothing. I'm like, what the hell happened? I was, I was up on a pedestal one week, and you knocked me off the next. So yeah. So what happened was I said, well, I'm going to make my own feature. Screw it. I'm going to make a feature, and there's something that can compete with other films. You know, nothing too you know big and fancy because I'm going to have to finance it myself, but something story quality that people will connect. So that's when I started, you know, the process of going into writing close-up, the feature that's here at the festival is going to play three thirty. Um, and I kind of like went back to everything that I had was taught before. You know, going to Rebel Without a Crew, which it was like my bible at the time. You know. Uh, Look at, look at what you have on hand. You know, I knew I had this, I knew I had that, I knew I had this, you know, so let me write a script around that and then raise up the money, you know, for what I'm going to need. So, um, yeah, um, and then at the same time, the Canon dropped with the greatest camera ever, the 7D, and um, I knew I was going to have, I, I could shoot something on a really low budget. So um, yeah, my film cost like seven thousand three hundred to make. It was shot in New York, LA, and Philly. Um, it's a real small dramatic story, but we have this. It, it's you, you gotta watch. I don't, I don't want to ruin anything for you, but to watch the film and then to see how I how you know how I made it and for the the money, you would never believe that I made it for seven thousand dollars, especially the, the locations, the stuff that we got away with. It was pure guerrilla filmmaking at its best. It's not even it's not even micro. It's I, I call it section eight filmmaking. You know, so um, yeah, I don't want to ramble. So I don't want to Actually, Mr. Cruz actually uh, is making transition to my, the first question of that uh, a lot easier. Um, all you guys are here for you know these guys have been successful. You know, we you know, when I'm looking to how you've done it. And I want you guys to look back on your first 
script to screen experience. The first time you ever you know, wrote something or had an idea that actually brought it to screen. You know, some, some of you guys can be a lot more recent, some of you guys way back, but how did it happen? You know, what, I know there have been times where, uh, I know personal experience too, that it's like, you know, I just, I'm just gonna get robbed, there's no way this thing's gonna happen. But how did you cross over that hill, and how did you feel when you finally saw your, your film, your script, on the big screen? My story is, uh, is, is I think, probably a, a fair one to tell, too, because uh, my first script screen experience made me realize that I wasn't a director and I needed to listen to where I could be a writer, try to be a better writer. Um, I'd gotten uh, introduced to uh, someone who was an accountant at Paramount Studios that was interested in, in uh, branching out and producing an independent film. And I had just started writing my first screenplay alone. Um, and uh, so I met with her and she said, well, why don't you finish it and uh, we'll see if, if maybe we can make it and maybe you'll direct it. Thought, wow, okay. So I, I finished the script in a very quick amount of time and she took it to uh, an investor who was a businessman in San Antonio and they said, we don't want to do it, it's too violent, it's not what we want to do. I said, okay. They said, would you be interested in writing a Tejano movie for us? We want to do a, a Tejano story, like a Tejano music story. So I said, okay. And they said, we want you to, to direct it. I said, I've never directed traffic. I, I have no idea <laughs> what I'm doing. And they said, well, why don't you write a short and go make it? So I wrote a short. And I came over here to Pan Am. And I um, imposed on some drama students and, and borrowed them for an afternoon. I borrowed a camera and shot this short film that I edited in Susan Smith's class, uh, classroom. I was not a longer student there. But I went over, I mean, that was, everything was borrowed, begged, or stolen. Um, and I made this short called The Curse, which no one has ever seen for good reason. <laughs> and I realized that, you know, it was my first time. And it was the first time that I had actually written something and shot it and tried, attempted to edit it together and make a final you know, think it was all on video and all that stuff. But, you know, again, it, it sort of gave me the idea that, you know, I, I'm, I, my, my skill set, I think, is more in the, in the written word, and that's what I felt like. I'm gonna spend my time focusing on this, because really getting into directing actors, and, and you know, I mean, I, I, I think I, I shot it, or, or shot a lot of it, and I had someone else helping with the camera, but. Still, it was just, I just realized that I needed to, to focus on the thing I felt like I had a better chance of going somewhere with. And so I, I said, right, I'm not going to do this again, uh, not for a long time anyway, and I just want to try to be a better writer. That was my first script-to-screen experience. And you know, it turned out okay, but I just realized that I needed to, to do what I'm doing instead of trying to be something else. Cool. Um, well, I mean, y'all know Transformers 2. Um, well, that would have been awesome if that was my first one, but that wasn't. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, I'm, uh, all these people are so official, man. And they're like, yeah, I'm from this studio. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a loser on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. But um, my first script screen experience, uh, everything beforehand wasn't scripted because everything beforehand of the first one was like, Seeing a soul film races. And, um, and we did one called Locked, which uh, won Best Under 18. That was the first time we ever did something like that. And we did Products of Society, which I don't know why we made it. It was pathetic. Um, and then we said, you know, we have to redeem ourselves for Products of Society because it was so sad. It was a dumb, it was, it was horrible. And, um, and so we said, why don't we make a different Products of Society? And so, um, I talked with all my friends and I was like, what, what would you say making a dramatic movie? Because we're funny. Well, we try to be at least, I don't know if we are. But, um, but you know, usually we, we're comedy guys and we're, we're action guys. We try to, you know, do comedy action. And so I was like, what, what would you do if we did a dramatic one? And they were like, are you high? You know, and they're like, And I was like, no, we can do it, man. Let's try it. So they were like, whatever. So uh, I went off with uh, one of my friends, uh, Chris, and uh, he's a phenomenal writer. And, um, 
we wrote out this uh, script, and uh, it started with me looking in a box of old TV tapes from a long, long, long time ago. Um, I was like, I wasn't even in middle school yet. And, uh, and I looked at it and it said, uh, just one, the tape. And I was like, why does that sound so familiar? And so I got it out and I looked at it and, um, and I put it in the camera. Uh, at the time we had an XL. And so uh, I hooked it up to the TV and I was watching and I was like, that's what that was. Man, it's awful. You know, it looked terrible. It was a film that we, uh, that uh, my youth pastor had actually written and directed and uh, he knew that I knew how to use like iMovie. So he was like, can you put it together for me? And I was like, sure. And, um, and I mean, there's parts where you can hear my youth pastor say, you know, action. I mean, it, it's sad, it was bad. <laughs> I mean, it, it was bad. So I watched it and I was like, man, but what an awesome concept, you know? What an awesome idea that he had. And I think it can be better if it was redone. And so um, I was like, okay, let's do this. And uh, that's when I approached my friends about the drama or whatever, uh, products of society. And so um, originally it was gonna be called Just One, as it was before, but uh, we thought about it and said, well, let's, let's rename it. And what do we rename it? And, uh, and I'm like, well, we gotta redeem ourselves for products of society. Products of society seems like a good name for it. Um, and so we wrote out a script. Uh, I already had you know, my friends cast, my friends are my actors. I don't you know, have like, high quality, awesome actors. I mean, they're awesome to me. I think they're great. But um, anybody else might be like, whatever. I'm like, they're awesome. But um, you know, we got we got together. Uh, they they read the script in the end. You know, they were like, wow, that this actually seems pretty good. And so I was like, well, what do you guys say? Let's do it. And they were like, yeah, let's do it. So we spent uh, last year, uh, the summer of, of last year, uh, kind of uh, putting it together. It was a 30-minute film. We call it a long short, I guess. I don't know. Um, but it was a 30-minute film, and, uh, and we showed it at my church, because we're like, well, I mean, it was originally you know, a movie that was shown at church, might as well show it at church again. And, uh, and it came out a lot better. It came out, you know, um, it, it was weird when I was actually filming it. Uh, I was the DP for that movie, as well as the director, and when I was filming it, it was just so mesmerizing watching my friends, you know, get this script and just take these characters and bring them to life. You know, I had never seen that before because usually it was just like, hey, you know, I got an idea. Well, let's film it. Improv, you know, and I'll just film them. But now they actually took dialogue that was, you know, prior, written prior to filming, and they were creating these complete and total different characters than themselves. And it really it blew my mind when I was filming, and I was like, wow. And then I put it together, and, uh, and in the end, you know, I was like, wow, that's, this wasn't a bad film at all. I guess we did redeem ourselves for the horribleness of it the short film products of society. But, um, but you know, like I, I, I thought that, that that was my first time on an actual script to screen process. Everything else prior to that, you know, like I said, wasn't. But um, it, was a, it was a fun experience. It was an extremely, it was a big learning experience. I went from one type of filmmaking, you know, style of filmmaking to another. I watched Inception in the middle of making the movie and I was like, wow, I like that movie. So I tried to, you know, go Christopher Nolan directing style. <laughs> that didn't work for me anyway, but you know, maybe one day. But um, but I went for that style, and you know, like you can you can see a difference in scenes. You know, like this scene is shot this way, and and it's funny because when you watch it, you say, wow, but it actually makes sense the way that was shot. You know, like and that scene actually makes sense the way that was shot. And so um, uh, we liked it. We thought it was pretty good. It wasn't for any film festivals. We used Inception music. You know, we used the music from the Inception soundtrack on Zimmer. Um, and so we're like, you know, that was just a whatever film, and uh, I mean, it was, it was a good, you know, learning experience, and now we're moving on to, you know, different things, like uh, what we're working on now is Guardians, and we're making our own music for it, we're not, you know, stealing Hans Zimmer's music, um, and, but even though it still sounds like Hans Zimmer, because he's awesome, so we like to try to stay awesome as close to him as possible, um, but, you know, it, it was a big learning experience, we've learned a lot, you know, um, DSLRs came out, and we were like, my God, you know, they changed the world for filmmaking. And so uh, we moved up to HD and stuff like that. And I mean, it, it's worked out really cool just from that little movie that we made, you know, and we, we learned a whole lot about filmmaking and about, um, you know, bringing a script to life and what it takes to bring a script to life. And that was my first experience, so. Um, my first experience was uh, in Texas. Uh, I had written another screenplay called The Whistler, 
and I had some interest uh, from some investors to potentially produce it. And, um, but, you know, being an actor, I really felt that I was perfect for the lead role. Uh, and so now I'm talking about, okay, directing and acting in it. And um, Rob, my supposed producer at the time, was like, well, you know, I don't know if you can do it, so why don't you uh, try doing something else first and see if you can handle it. And so I said, all right, that's something. So we worked on a small script. And I remember I was trying to write this story about, uh, I can't remember what it was, but I, I was just like blocked, man. I couldn't, just couldn't think. I wasn't doing anything. And, uh, so I had the iPod running. Um, at the time we had iPods. And uh, uh, a song from Ricardo Arjona popped up. Singer-songwriter, uh, Central American, very, very famous singer from the uh, uh, Latin market. And uh, he has this song about this taxi driver. And as I was listening to his song, I swear I saw the movie. And like that night, I just wrote the 13-page script. And um, and then of course we developed it over the next couple of months. You know, and we went through many different rewrites and working with the actors that we ended up casting. But that whole experience was really great because uh, A, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and, and B, um, it didn't matter. Because it was, you know, it's like I, I, I knew that I had to do this. And you know, there's, there's something to boldness, you know, when you just decide and you just take action, no matter what, everything you need kind of lines up. You know, all of a sudden, what you need shows up. I don't know, it's amazing. Right? I mean, you just go and the universe responds. So um, that movie was a lot of fun because uh, I, I really didn't want to screw it up. So I was very meticulous about it uh, in terms of, uh, I storyboarded the whole thing using uh, Barbie dolls. It was actually not Barbie dolls, it was the Enchanted dolls. Because you know, when we were getting Enchanted, I bought the two dolls, you know, just trying to do the street bike dolls, you know. And of course I had to have wardrobe changes, so I had to buy the little dress sets. <laughs> <laughs> And so I locked myself in my house for about a week, you know, just storyboarding this whole thing. And it was really cool because I actually shot the dolls in front of a green poster board, and then I could put them inside my car, which we didn't have So I literally did Photoshop, I put them inside the car. And so I had the whole movie storyboarded, you know, just using these dolls. And um, funny thing, I, I was just starting to hang out with Maddie at the time, and she called me one time. And I was like, I think I can call him weird to like I'm starting to get a little horny, you know, like <laughs> There's a sex scene, you know, there's a sex scene. So I'm sitting there, you know, trying to story for the sex scene, you know, and, and so I was like, well, here I am, a grown man, you know, playing with dolls. And, and, but it was, I mean, it was great because when, when I showed my movie, uh, what the movie looked like, she just, she saw it. There was no, there was no, how are we going to do this shot? How are we going to, and that's what I wanted to avoid because I've been on sets where literally the director is like, let's see how many shoots. You know, and it's like, dude, that's disrespectful of everybody. That's disrespectful of their time, of their energy, of their, their creativity. I mean, you, you don't show up knowing exactly what you're going to do. Then don't show up, it's fine. Um, and so it kind of got, it instilled in me in a, a a pretty hard work ethic as far as making the movies concerned. That I, that I took it as serious as, as, as anything. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, it's, it's fun. I mean, now, how much more fun than playing with dogs? <laughs> Seriously. Um, and that movie was really just done to see if I could do it, if I felt comfortable directing and also being in front of the camera and, and dominating all those things. The movie turned out pretty good. You know, it turned out pretty good, and I didn't even have any um, illusions of sending it to festivals or anything like that. It was, you know, it was four thousand dollars that I took. I rented all the equipment, bought out the permits. You know, we had a green screen stage. I spent all that money. I figured it was just going to be money spent on education. I was okay with that. But once I started showing the movie, they're like, "Hey, that's pretty good. You should probably submit it to festivals." You know, and so we did. We got into a bunch of festivals. We, 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 um, Won a bunch of awards. We got some nominations. I got we got into the Hollywood Film Festival. So I saw it at the ArcLight in LA, which was like, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it was 
uh, that's what I wanted to be. And so I went to school for it. I got a scholarship, a partial scholarship to go to the New England Conservatory of Music, which is a really great music school in Boston. And after many years of this music thing, my father finally is like, okay, you know what? I accept you being a musician. That's, that's, that's okay. And then about a month later, I decided I wanted to be an actor. <laughs> so I called my dad. And I'm like, hey, dad, I want to be an actor now. And he's like, go on outside and get chicked out. I mean, he went off on me. Just, you know, and, and, and so you know, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, you know, you choose to live in the matrix or not. You know, I mean, ultimately, if you're an artist, you can choose to stay in the matrix and do the nine to five job and, and all that, but you will probably be pretty unhappy, I think. You know, go for it. I mean, if you really love it beyond anything else, don't let anybody stop you. Just go. There is no failure. There's just the life. I mean, there's no making it. There's just doing it. There is no making it. I mean, if you're doing it at any level, you're happy, man. You know? So I. You know, I, I, I don't believe in the matrix. I, I believe that, you know, it's, you accept it or you don't. Go Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with Luis. It's um, whatever makes you happy, because if you don't do it, you're going to regret in the future that you, you could have, should have, would have, you know. Um, and, the, and the, you know, you have to realize going into this that, you know, you're the last man standing. You're, this is your dream. This is your passion. You, you're the only one with that belief. There's going to be lots of times that you're going to feel alone, like, man, there's nobody with me, you know, what am I doing, you know? But don't give up, keep doing it, because there's other people out, like, I'm from Philadelphia, PA, you know, and Cinesol saw my film, and they liked it enough to put it into the film festival. You know, it's been in nine so far, you know, so there's people out there that, that will appreciate your work, even though, what, what I'm saying is like your, your, your family and friends can be your worst enemies because, you know, they'll, they'll like, just so they can brush you off, so, yeah, it's pretty good. You know, yeah, it's good, you know, it's good what you're doing, you know, but, um, yeah, they can be your worst enemy when you're writing a script, when you're filming something because they don't want to hurt you. You know, getting your films out there for the, for the people that are not in your circle to, to see and to critique, that's the best you know, the best medicine you can have. But don't give up, keep doing it. You know, I've been doing it for over 10 years, you know, and I'm slowly getting there. My, my foot's in the door, you know, sometimes it's out the door, you know, whatever, but I don't give up. And, and the number one thing is I have an awesome wife that supports me. Like, uh, I give my wife all the credit in the world. She is my backbone. Uh, she lets me go out and play. You know, and um, you need that. You need that support. You need that support within the family. You know, so um, yeah, don't give up. Keep doing it. Right, right, right. Filming. Keep doing. It, yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am one of those guys trying to. <laughs> so I'm just taking this advice. You know. <laughs> uh, well, I think I'm taking the advice too. I'm trying to anyway. Um, you know, I just. I think that um, it's it's uh, it's tough to play life without a safety net, and sometimes you do, and sometimes you know you you fall down. Uh, the thing that the advice that I've always tried to impart to people who are younger than me, uh, and there are millions of them, is that you know don't be afraid to don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to screw up. Don't be afraid to make the Puerto Rican voice uh, in the hood movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one thinks that you know that you know it's not. You know, I'm sure you had, uh, like you said, uh, idea that it was going to be great. Oh yeah. But you saw how it came out. But you learned something in that experience. You know, everything everything is a learning experience. And that sounds like harsh sometimes to say. It's like, why do I want to spend? you know, all this time doing something that's going to suck because you're going to make the next one a little bit better than that. You know, um, I remember having a conversation uh, with someone when I was younger saying, I, I want to write five bad scripts. And I'm like, why the hell do you want to do that? I said, because that's how I'm going to learn. I'm going to write five bad scripts and then the next one will be a little bit better, you know. Um, and, but, you know, the advice I got was like, 
why don't you wait until you get like a really great idea and then write that? Well, then I'm waiting around forever for the really great idea. And I did. I, I probably did. I lost some time just thinking like, I'm not going to, uh, you know, being feeling trapped, feeling like you can't do it. Or a lot of times I know writers, they'll start writing a thing and they'll write 20 pages of a 100 page script and then they'll go back to page one and start rewriting it. And they just end up circling the drain of the first act over and over again, not being able to get any further than that. Um, so you can, as much as you can, you've got to allow yourself to the freedom to screw up, the freedom to fall, fall on your ass, and, uh, and and then get up and do it again. Because uh, you learn as much from the good experiences as from the bad ones, uh, and vice versa. So. All right, yes, sir. Yeah, I have a question for the panel on um, compromise. And um, what is it about um, your way of, of, of making art that, uh, that leads you to make choices about which compromises you're willing to live with, uh, which things are going to kind of resist. Uh, it seems to me that whether you're an independent or, or part of the filmmaking, you're going to have to compromise your vision at some point, whether you guys have moments of crisis where you have to make those kinds of painful choices. What guides you?
be made because then if, if you make if you think realistically and make a, a realistic script you're still going to run into problems it's all it's only logic it always happens that you run into problems so if you make something you know media if you write something mediocre you know you're going to run into problems and make something you know kind of crappy whereas if you write something extremely amazing and epic it might come out you know mediocre it might come out okay it might come out decent so i always try to think huge so i can bring it down and say, okay, this is how it's going to be. And you know, in the end, it usually turns out good. Uh, it, I mean, it turns out decent, at least. Um, I mean, I didn't, I don't know. Everybody did say it was horrible, but that's, that's just the way I think. Uh, I don't know. Everybody may be different. Uh, compromise, right? Um, you know, I, I'm not far enough uh, as a filmmaker. Well, you know, no, I, I kind of, with this last short that I did, I've, I've had some, some issues like that. I, I think that, you know, you have to look at it as uh, maybe a, you know, really, really like the people that you're getting into that. You know, really have respect for them artistically, because then anything they throw at you, you can look, right? You're getting into bed with somebody who maybe has no money, but does not have your artistic vision, and you guys aren't sharing it, I guarantee you, you will have problems. And because he's the money guy, he will win. Unless you have a badass attorney, or didn't sign a contract. But anyway, I digress. Uh, so I, I would say that compromise is part of filmmaking. I mean, maybe you just call it adjustment. You know, it's really just an adjustment of the film based on the people that you're working with. I mean, it is a collaborative effort. Collaborative effort, I'll led by one, man or woman's vision, but at the end of the day, if you're not listening to the ideas that are being thrown out at you by the other people you're working with, you're, you're screwing yourself out of, out of so much. So, um, yeah, I think it is it is part of it, but you know that's why before you start, make sure who you're getting involved with, you respect, because then it'll be okay, I imagine. Okay, we have about three minutes left. Yeah, when I, whenever I write a script, I um, try not to limit myself. I like put anything in there, you know, and uh, you know, no hold bar, you know, uh, explosions, car chases, whatever. I, I do all that. But for close up, I knew that I was going in with a limited budget, so I had to basically confine myself to certain areas uh, that, that what I was, what I knew I had, and what I could use. First of all, I knew I had access to Times Square, the middle of Times Square on New Year's Eve. I had a friend that, you know, uh, uh, is a police officer that mans the barricade there. That's how, that's the idea for my film. That's how it started. New Year's Eve, Times Square, you know, where, where a million people are right there in Times Square. How can I make a movie out of that? And the rest of the script kind of evolved from that. You know, so uh, that's the compromise that I made, but it turned out great. Yeah. All right, I'd like to thank you guys on behalf of Sinsol for being part of our panel. Thank you.